Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Good evening, friends. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. This is our monthly clergy seminar, but of course, all are invited, whether clergy or not. The Good Shepherd Seminar. And we are, it, amazingly enough, it's hard to believe because it comes so early this year, we are just a little more than a week away from the season of Lent. And we're going to talk tonight about how to observe a pro-life Lent because there are a lot of connections between the themes of Lent and the themes of defending the unborn. Now, tonight, to assist us in this conversation, Father Dennis Wild, who's been for a long time on our pastoral team, in fact, over 25 years, uh, an Augustinian priest, and uh, a more recent addition to our team, a Josephite priest, Father David Begany. Fathers, welcome to this evening's broadcast. Good to be here. Good to be here, Frank. Yeah, we appreciate all that you do for the uh, for the ministry, for the unborn, and for the people that that uh, join in on broadcasts like these. Thanks so much for being part of this great ministry. So if we may start with uh, a prayer, and I want to share a scripture. It's one of the Lenten scriptures from Isaiah 58. And then the three of us will talk about uh, how we can inspire our people to uh, let Lent lead them into an even deeper commitment to defend the unborn. But the, the, the reading I want to start with is from the 58th chapter of Isaiah. Cry aloud, unsparingly, lift up your voice like a trumpet blast. Declare to my people their transgressions, to the house of Israel, to the house of Jacob, their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the commands of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments, pleased to draw near to God. Why have we fasted and you do not notice it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to end up quarreling and fighting, hitting with wicked claw. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice heard on high. This is the fast that I desire. Is this the fast that I desire for a man to humble himself, to bow down his head like a reed, and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? You call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is this not the fast I require? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free. Let us pray. Father, you lead us into the joyful season of Lent, asking us to set the oppressed free. You ask us, Lord, to come close to you by lifting up those who are under the yoke. We acknowledge tonight, Lord God, that none are more oppressed than the children in the womb. None are under a greater yoke than the yoke of being declared non-persons and having their lives legally snuffed out. Free our nation, free our world from the scourge of abortion and enable us in Lent to see more clearly 
the rights of our youngest brothers and sisters and our sacred duty to defend them. We ask this through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, okay. Um, we have welcome. I see the comments, by the way, uh, friends, and feel free as we are going through this to uh, give your own insights. Uh, the basic question being, how do we observe a pro-life Lent? Because we always learn from our audience, just like we try to um, allow our audience to learn from us. And I know that we'll we'll uh, get a lot of additional insights besides what we will share. Uh, if you uh, please do utilize the comments on whatever platform you're watching. And as I say, we see them here. Share your ideas, share your questions, and uh, the three of us will uh, address them. Again, we welcome Father Dennis Weil, Father David Begany, both uh, associates on our team here at Priest for Life. So let me begin by uh, asking uh, uh, Father Dennis, um, first of all, the season of Lent. Uh, just in and of itself, it's so rich, it's so full of, of deep uh, renewal and spirituality. Share with us, first of all, uh, as, a, as, as, a, as a priest and, and, and someone who's been ministering so long, how do you describe to people the beauty and riches and call of Lent? Well, it's a joyful season. It's not a season of uh, sorrow. Uh, there is pain in the passion of Christ. But that pain is translated into, in, that suffering is into redemption and, and goodness. And of course, that's the second part of Lent. We don't, uh, we prepare ourselves for the sacred triduum, which is Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and of course the Easter Vigil, this wonderful day is the center of the whole church year. But uh, the church wants us to prepare that, not just jump into it. And to always keep in, in perspective what that is about as we go through Lent, there is the Eucharist. There is the death of Christ. There is, of course, the resurrection of Christ. And all of those ingredients together uh, are the composite thing that we look at. And, of course, the triumph over death. And so that's why the, it begins with ashes. It's not something which we look at Easter lilies, but uh, ashes. And the ashes are a sign of our fragility. I uh, just give an idea. Uh, in the last week, two priests in the archdiocese where I am in Philadelphia died suddenly, one on a plane coming back from the Indies, the West Indies, and another one died just as he put down the chalice and the host after the consecration mm -hmm. for the Our Father. He did that and he fell to the floor and died. We don't know our time and our hour. And so when we have those ashes put on our forehead, it is a reminder we're going back to the earth. It's a reminder that our bodies are mortal. But it's also a reminder that says, repent and believe in the good news. Or the other way, which you're familiar with, all of us, of course, is, is um, you are dust and unto dust you shall return. It's very dramatic, very, very, sends you right forth and says what happens to our bodies. But the point here is the other one says, repent and believe in the good news. Hmm. And that's exactly what Lent is. It's about repentance. We can do all sorts of things. We can... Uh, strategize we can look at different the programs and how we can prepare ourselves but the whole idea is repentance and that's not beating ourselves over the back it, it's basically the idea of changing metanoia change of heart right when christ came he says that right. and he says that at the baptism this is repent it said in mark's gospel we see that there's a there's a dramatic thing here that you're bringing out, uh, Father Dennis, and it shows right away the connection with pro-life and 
And uh, uh, let me just make one comment on that. And then, Father Dave, I'd like you to explore a little bit this uh, this whole theme of repentance in Lent. What do we have to repent of? But, Father Dennis, what you're starting out by saying and is Lent is about a dramatic conflict between death and life. The ashes remind us that we are mortal. Uh, death has intruded itself into the human family. And yet Lent leads us to that celebration of the victory of life in the death and resurrection of Christ. So why are we pro-life? Because death is bad and life is good and God hates death and God has restored life, right? I mean, it does. in that sense, doesn't it go right to the heart of Lent? It's all about celebrating this. If we, we acknowledge the reality of death, but it's about celebrating the fact, as God says in in another chapter of Isaiah, one of my favorite uh, uh, verses in Isaiah 25, the Lord says, I will destroy death forever. And uh, what you've just said really lays the foundation for this whole this whole thing. It's about destroying death and giving us life. Um, now, as you also said, Father Dennis, and, and Father Dale, I'd like you to ex expand on this, repentance. Uh, we come before the Lord and, and, and tell us about this this movement of repentance that we are called to embrace right from the very first day of Lent. Right. So, um, you know, I think I could be wrong, but maybe the average uh, Catholic Christian Christian uh, might think that, well, gee, what do I need to repent of? Um, you know, I'm 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 uh, trying to live a godly life. I'm, you know, I, I'm not breaking any of the Ten Commandments. Um, you know, I'm trying to treat my family well. But, you know, there are there's attitudes that kind of creep into our lives from a variety of sources. You know, uh, you know, you know, social media, the Internet is so prominent now that, you know, many people utilize it. And sometimes we can begin to adopt attitudes that are prevalent, maybe on social media, uh, maybe through, you know, some type of news program, you know, whether whatever, um, uh, you know, political persuasion that might be. And these attitudes creep into our lives. I'm reminded of someone I know, and this person communicated with me recently, and he was uh, very opposed to uh, the idea uh, that those, that sinners uh, could receive blessings. Now, I don't want to go into that. Uh, I'm, you know, thinking of, of the Holy Father's recent, uh, the recent declaration, but you know, really, everyone is in need of repentance, and whether it is the person who who you know is trying to live, uh, wants to live more the way that our God wants them to live, or whether it's individuals who think that you know, hey, well, you know, this is right, this is wrong, but only a certain select group of people, you know, are deserve to follow God, and so so these attitudes creep into our hearts. Now, it could be something else; it could just be. You know, the basic things are uh, an unwillingness to forgive uh, one another. And that happens so much in families, um, even over smaller things. And it's harbored and then it has an effect on the rest of the family. Um, and, you know, so there are many things we need to repent of. Maybe, you know, maybe for a, a priest or religious, you know, we're not being faithful to, you know, praying the, the liturgy of the hours every day. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there there is that or maybe you know maybe um you know maybe we're we're getting involved in um you know some legitimate pleasure but maybe we're go, going overboard maybe we're going overboard with eating or with maybe you know drinking alcohol what, yeah. whatever it is so all well, of us yes 
there's, a, there's, a, there's a theme here that you're touching on that's very important. And uh, I've seen it, Father Dennis, I'm sure you've seen it too. You know, like Father, like Father David said it right at the outset here. Some people are not aware of their sins. They, 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 they like, uh, I remember, in fact, you all, you both must have stories about, you know, giving out the ashes on Ash Wednesday. You know, when you do it for enough years, it, sometimes there's some pretty funny stories that happen. And, and sometimes there's, I mean, they're funny, but they're serious. Like one time, you know, the, uh, uh, it was, was it me or was it the priest standing next to me? One, one of us, uh, we were saying, you know, turn away from sin and be faithful to the gospel, right? That's why, like you said, that's one of the formulas that can be used. So this person literally comes up to get the ashes, turn away from sin and be faithful to the gospel. And, and she says, oh, that's a new one. I don't have any sins. <laughs> I don't have any sins. <laughs> uh, I mean, but, but, but this is one, and Father Dennis, the, 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 one of the things that Lent is meant to help us do is to wake up to our sins. I mean, before we can repent of our sins, we have to realize our sins. And, and isn't it what we're praying at the beginning of Lent is, Lord, Holy Spirit, let me see my sins. Just let me see them. And not to be discouraged by them but to be able to repent. And isn't it therefore one of the greatest prayers we can start off Lent with by saying, Lord, our whole society is immersed in this lie of pro-choice. People are celebrating abortion as a right. They're trying to put it in state constitutions as a right. And isn't it, Father Dennis, a need to, you know, to pray at the beginning of Lent, Lord, help anybody that thinks that there's something okay about abortion. It's time to wake up and repent. Absolutely. We have a responsibility to know. That's part of the repentance. Repentance means a willingness to find out. And so if we're comfortable in saying, well, I don't know about my sin, that's a sign that we're really not doing what we need to do to improve ourselves. I'd go to one thing that's very a good document, and that's, of course, the examination of conscience. And that's a practical thing, which we can get into maybe later on. Uh, but it, it's so important in case we forget it. To look at that, it's a mirror. You can get it online, just, just write the words examination of conscience and you'll find many of them coming up for you and use them. Why? Because we get anesthetized, almost like we feel we don't and then following the plan. There should be always that sense of looking for how can we better our lives? And that should be part of our morning prayer, it should be part of our evening prayer in a sense. And uh, when we look at that examination of conscience as a practical order of things here, yeah. um, you'll start to see like a mirror. You know, you wake up in the morning, you may have slept the wrong way and you got a blotch on your forehead. You don't see that until you look in the mirror. Mirror, so right. The same thing is true. I don't have any sin. Oh, yeah? Well, look in the mirror. And the way yeah. to look in the mirror is an examination of conscience. Sometimes you can get yeah. it from your spouse. You can get it from others. But this is a very practical thing. And if we do sometimes that, sometimes I think sometimes I think spouses, of course, we, we don't have the direct experience of this, but I think spouses could be the best examination of conscience for well, a lot can. of people. You know, they find out things because they're living with you all day long, you know, or at least <laughs> it's a good mirror. Today. It's a, but it's a good that's, that's an important thing. But I, I think that notion of repentance, you come back to that again, it's much more than just simply saying, oh, I have a lot of sins and I'm going to beat myself. No, right. It has nothing to do with that. It has to say, I take responsibility, first of all, yes. to know. To, we, why, you know, why did God make us to know, love, and serve Him in this world and our neighbors so we'll be happy in the next? The old Baltimore Catechism for those yeah. who haven't learned that, but but that's the most basic thing. And and to know God and to know neighbor and to know self. Help me yeah. know myself that I may know you. We hear from Augustine, and and it's such a beautiful thing. 
that is a responsibility. We can't just simply fall into things. We have to we have to prime ourselves, prime the pump, as it were, and to find out in our lives how to repent. And you touch, of course, on a very important one. What's the idea of repenting relating to the pro-life movement? The repentance there is not being learning enough, not recognizing what how does it touch you that, you know. A million unborn children, a little less than that, or maybe even more now with the chemical abortions a year mm. are taking place in this country alone and some 65 million around the world. Does that not impact on our hearts and minds in any way? Right. Well, how does this right. impact on it? When we hear Matthew at the end of the gospel, Jesus is saying his last words and testimony before he goes to his passion, one of the last chapters that he says, what you do to the least of my brethren, you do unto me. And who are the least of his brethren? Yes, sure, the poor are there but also the least, the tiniest, the ones that are most innocent in the womb. They're the least. To, take, yeah. to, to become aware of that. That's what you're bringing yeah, right. out about sin in general. And yes. about this in particular is so, so important. There's no doubt that they are they are the least. And, and you know, JJ, by the way, friends, I see your comments here. Please continue leaving your thoughts. I see JJ's great comments. And one of the things JJ is saying is, what about the sins of omission? That's what it is. And, uh, Right. So, Father, Father begging you, you know, there's a lot of sins of omission when it comes to pro-life. People aren't just aren't doing enough. Right. Uh, how do you lead if, if, if you as a as a pastor in a parish, we're going to be speaking about this um, and say, OK, friends, let's because the reading that we just read from Isaiah 58 says, OK, here's how the, here's the fasting that God requires. Let the oppressed go free. Let the let the the unborn go free. Let them live. And so we know that Lent begins, for example, our, our friends uh, over at 40 Days for Life. Uh, it's a great practice. Uh, whether it's that or some other pro-life practice, what would you recommend, Father Father Begany? Yeah, there are so many things you can do. And, and I would recommend uh, Priest for Life website. I think it's uh, priestforlife.org backslash Lent. Yes, there are a lot of resources there, both for uh, for priests, for religious, for lay people. Uh, tell us about what we can do uh, from a pro-life perspective for Lent. So, you know, I, I, I think to uh, uh, maybe a good thing, as Father Frank uh, said, is to make people aware that there is the sin of omission. And certainly in, in the cause of life, uh, you know, there's a great omission of doing something for the unborn. And so, you know, I, hopefully most of us in the pew are uh, pro-life and but maybe we don't know what to do exactly so for example um, someone can uh, contact their local pregnancy resource center and maybe uh, you know vo volunteer you know one day a month uh, you know maybe doing some practical things there maybe doing you know cutting the grass or doing a little fixing or maybe um, you know some other type of uh, you know maybe fundraising activity for a pregnancy resource right center. Right. You know, 40 Days for Life is here, and I'll be attending one. Uh, I believe it starts next week. And so you can go to a 40 Days for Life event, and they're, you know, they're all over there throughout the country. And yeah. you know, it's a good activity to bring your friends with to kind of uh, emphasize that, well, let it, let's do this for Lent. Let's pray for the unborn. Let's pray for their mothers and fathers. And as an act of penance in the sense of, well, I'm giving up doing something else I could do, and I'm going to go to my, you know, local uh, you know, abortion facility and, and join others in praying. So, you know, there's many things we can do. We can, whatever we choose to give up for Lent, if, we, if we're going to practice that, we can offer it that, you know, to the Lord, that he would turn the hearts of mothers who are contemplating abortion yes. back yes. to their children and the fathers right. as well. So there's many things we can do.
Yeah, beautiful. And and Father Dennis, that reminds me, you know, the three traditional Lenten practices, maybe you can uh, explain this, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Um, but relating this specifically to the unborn, it sounds like, you know, we could say, uh, based on what Father Begany is just saying, that, that, that a key form of almsgiving, I mean, we think about giving to the poor, but as you both have pointed out, the poorest of the poor are the unborn. So taking part in a pro-life activity during Lent this is not we're not adding something onto the faith or the traditional practices of Lent. We're giving an example of them because almsgiving. I mean, it's almsgiving for the unborn. Uh, Father, tell, Father Dennis, tell us about these these traditional uh, practices of Lent. Yes, uh, the Church more recently speaks about time, treasure, and talent. Uh, they're similar. We'll come back to that. But the time that we have is a way by which we can give of ourselves the talent that we have and certain things that we might be able to do, uh, stenography work, there might be something else, all of those things. Um, but the time that we have is a very treasured thing. And to use that in a proper way and not to waste it on some things, and I think TV would be a, a one of the things to really cut back on, social media in many ways uh, cut back. Now, again, there's some beautiful social media things, I think things we're trying to do here, but there's so much nonsense out there. And to get a glimpse of that, it can also bring us into sin. Uh, but even not going that far, it can bring us into a lot of waste of time. Why not spend some more time talking, uh, uh, reading about reading about the needs of the unborn? We have a lot of that in yeah. literature at Priestful Life. Yeah, the three things are fasting, uh, almsgiving, and of course prayer. And uh, the first readings we have in the the uh, Gospel of Ash Wednesday talks about how we should treat those things. And it's not just doing them, it's doing them with the right motivation. So that when we're fasting, right. we're not doing it just simply to uh, to lose weight. I mean, that's certainly not the, the point <laughs> behind it. We're doing it because we want to fast. And it doesn't have to be food. It should be food. Of course, there's certain ordinances in Lent that we follow in the church on Friday and so forth. But the, the main thing is, is a giving up of something that is legitimate. It's perfectly good. But we're doing this because there's a greater good. And that greater good is the emptying so that we can take upon in and then use the time to take in by reading, by getting, as Father Begany said, online and, and going to the Priestful Life website, priestfullife.org slash Lent. Yes. Lots of stuff there. Um, you know, you know what something you just you just said reminded me of something how the and by the way, for those that are just joining us, we're talking with our two pastoral associates, uh, Father David Begany and Father Dennis Wilde about observing a pro-life Lent. And, and you know, Lent is a very pro-life season and we're making some of these connections. But what you were just saying, uh, Father, was like, you know, OK, we're giving up something from Lent. What is that ultimately trying to accomplish is trying to accomplish uh, it, 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 reversing the dynamic of self-centeredness. Stop focusing on what we want, what I want, what I want. Giving something up means, Lord, what do you want? Never mind what I want. And when you think about the abortion battle, well, what I want, what I want, me at the center, me at the center, isn't that what pro-choice means? Right. It's my choice, my rights, my body, my life. Cut enough already. It's about God's choice, God's rights, God's body who's going to go to the cross. God's life, the eternal life. I mean, it, it, it's a whole, Lent is meant to create uh, and bring about a revolution. And it, we're no longer the center of everything. God is. And ultimately, that's the solution to the culture of death. That, that's the solution to abortion. It's stop with this pro-choice. Stop with this me, me, me. And Lent is meant to free us from that. Uh, Father Begbie, let's go back to you for a minute because uh, there's something here very, very profound 
uh, in Lent. Uh, and you, you know, we all know it doing pastoral work. You, you know it as a pastor in particular, you're going to be preparing the liturgies uh, for uh, the Holy Triduum uh, that's going to come up at the, uh, the end of March. And um, here's, here's what I'm thinking that, you know, Lent is really a preparation for baptism. There are people right now, the catechumens of the church, I'd like you to explain this to our audience. They're getting ready for something big, which is baptism. And the rest of us who have already been baptized, we're getting ready to renew the vows of our baptism at that Easter mass, you know, when we are sprinkled with the water and we are asked those important questions about what we renounce and what we believe. Tell us how then, you know, Lent is really a, I mean, we've traced already some key themes, you know, the ashes, the meaning of repentance, uh, 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 the, the Lenten practices. But now I want to get into this deeper mode of what is it leading up to? Lent is really a baptismal season and we're mm -hmm. getting ready to renew that baptism. Tell us a little bit more about that and, and, and how, when you think about it, what we renounce when we take the, when we renew the vows of our baptism, we're renouncing the works of, of Satan, and that includes abortion, doesn't it? Uh, exactly. And, and I think what you were referring to is that the season of Lent is a time of preparation, not only for us to enter into the, uh, the Paschal mystery, the, the death and resurrection of our Lord, but it's a time for those who want, wish to enter the, uh, the Catholic faith uh, to uh, begin a similar thing or to continue a similar thing. You know, during the season of Lent, we have uh, what we call several different rites for those who wish to enter the Catholic faith. You know, we have the right of election. We have, um, you know, the the recognition of those who are catechumens, those who are still preparing to enter into our Catholic faith. Um, and at certain points of Lent, we will will bring forth those people in the congregation who are in that process of preparing uh, to you know to become Catholics and. Um, they're, they're oftentimes called away then at, at, at a certain point, usually after the homily, then to meet with their RCIA teacher and to reflect on the readings. And as far as you said, Father, that, you know, Lent is also a time where we, um, as you said, renew our baptismal promises and to recognize that uh, in baptism, we're, you know, the, 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 the person who entered the faith is, you know, dying with Christ in the uh, waters of baptism where their their sins are being washed away, their old life is being washed away, and they're receiving a new life, you know, not a new biological life, obviously, but really they're, they're receiving a spiritual life where God will come to dwell in their soul. And so, you know, probably for most of us uh, who are already Catholic or maybe Christian in other groups, you know, Lent can be that time where we, like as you said before, where we die to our own selfishness and we begin to change some things in our lives so that we may f more fully enter into life so that the Holy Spirit may uh, come more deeply and may maybe in a sense breathe more deeply within us so that we can conform our lives more to our Lord's and, and, and really reflect him uh, more to our culture. And... Um, and certainly uh, our culture, especially with respect to disrespect for the unborn, uh, is something uh, something that needs to change. And as I often tell my people, you know, when we undergo these sacrifices, when we undergo uh, maybe uh, acts of forgiveness, um, 
we're uh, growing in holiness because we're conforming our lives more to our Lord's life. And by doing so, we're uh, letting, you could say, the light of the Lord shine to others so that yeah. they may be more open to uh, repenting in their own lives or coming to, to exactly. know him. Exactly. One of the things that really, really matters is in this repentance idea and what you bring out, Father David, about baptism, uh, there's a newness there. You know, there's new life. Do we really understand that? And, and does that become part of our actions and, and, and who we are? Of course, it does in, internally. But but to bring that out and to to keep doing it, we repentance is something that's an ongoing thing. Mm -hmm. So when we look at Lent, it's not just fasting for a day. It's not just doing this for a day. It's something which we grow from. We look at St. Paul when he uh, was converted. It took him a long time. He, he, he didn't understand everything about uh, Christianity. You know, he gave us a lot about it, of course. But but when he was converted, when he that moment, it, it was an ongoing thing for a long for his whole life. But the other thing, too, about this, too, is that I look at some of the things uh, when you were saying this about baptism, the real sense of a new dimension in life comes forth from many of those mothers who were post-abortive who have had abortions and then come to understand through the grace that given by God, that God forgives anything as long as we want to be repentant and then we want to seek that forgiveness. And then these people have become wonderful leaders, wonderful leaders. And I mean, I, I reflection again, St. Paul, who was against the church in the beginning and was persecuting them going up to Damascus and all the back. And then all of a sudden, not all of, a, all of a sudden he made the change, but as I say, it took a long time before all of that take, took root. And uh, it's a totally different man. And yeah. it's a totally different woman and a totally different man involved, a mother and father involved in that abortion in the past, and then coming out of that. And how beautiful it is, one of the most rewarding things in the work that we do is to work with people who have been there and now become the leaders because they've been energized by the mercy of God given to them again. That's what the redemption is about and that's yeah. what, what conversion brings about but yeah. we have to be open in our hearts to accept that grace that god is giving us and so i'm talking here not just to people who are opposed to boredom but people who of course have had never abortion but we're looking to what they can do and again we have the responsibility to learn more about this and again that's we have a lot of resources at priests for life and the books that father frank has has uh has given on this uh, related to um, some of the theology on that. And it's not that heavy, you know, it's simply basic. This is human, human life. Um, yeah, exactly. But and to be convinced of it. And why, why are we supporting pro-life? Because you're going to get people on the other side who want to throw all sorts of arguments, but basically we come down to, we're made in the image and likeness of God. Do we believe in God or do we not? It's godless. Abortion is now. I'm not saying the people who are having abortions don't believe in God, but the point is that the actions that we do rebound on other people, and it's so important that we uh, look at the great things that happen as well coming out of this. Well, the silent no more, as you mentioned, the, the, you know, we have our Rachel's Vineyard retreat program, we have our silent no more awareness campaign, and showing how people who have had abortions or in, in many cases, multiple abortions, have experienced repentance and have received forgiveness and are on a joyful path of healing, what better can, 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 can symbolize, and it's more than symbolize, it, it reveals the mercy of God that we celebrate in Lent than that. And, and even if people have had no involvement in abortion, 
they see and hear these testimonies. People go to silentnomore.com or abortiontestimonies.com. And it's like, wow, if they can be forgiven, I sure can as well. And it becomes an incentive for more repentance. We, we just had the gatherings in, in Washington and in San Francisco uh, at both of those marches, the two biggest annual pro-life events. And we had our silent no more people at both of them uh, giving their testimonies. And I always say somebody gets up there, people who are hearing them might not have had anything to do with abortion. But they'll know that there's a savior. And that's what Lent is saying. Uh, one of the nice comments here, they're all nice comments. Thank you, everybody, for participating in these comments. Ken says, I will sleep well tonight from the prayer, the good word, and wisdom heard tonight. Peace, my brothers and sisters. That's a beautiful comment. That's really, sure really nice. And uh, let me see some of the others here encouraging the different websites. Uh, Thank you. Uh, some of our regulars are here on the farm and Tim and uh, uh, Stephen Browning is talking about Steve Jobs, who uh, co-founder of Apple and inventor of the iPhone, uh, said he was glad he wasn't an abortion himself. Uh, mm -hmm. God brings forth life and uh, Lent is all about life. Well, this has been great. Um, you mentioned, both of you mentioned the resources at priestforlife.org slash Lent. Let me invite all of you brothers and sisters to spend some time there. In fact, there are so many links and so many talks and so many articles and so many resources at priestforlife.org slash Lent that it would take the whole of Lent for you to click on every mm -hmm. one of those uh, mm -hmm. links. But do take at least some time to do that. And uh, one of the things you'll find there is our series of prayer books, pro-life prayers for all occasions. Another thing you will find is a special resource we created years ago called The Way of the Cross for Family. Families. And uh, Father Dennis, you, you remember that. We, we That was a collaborative project with the Vatican. Okay. Uh, it actually took its roots when I was well, of course, when I was working over there for a time, but then subsequently we've maintained those close relations and and uh, and we, we, we have this still available as a joint publication of Priests for Life and the Pontifical Council for the Family. So many other really great resources. If you are clergy listening to us, thank you for tuning in. And, you know, you know that we're at your service. You've got two great priests here of Priests for Life and, and uh, myself and all the rest of the team are ready to help you as always. And uh, and we've got our, our, our people like Alvita King and Janet Morana and Teresa and Kevin Burke and Brian Kemper and all these folks on our team are ready to help you to really have a fruitful Lent if you're a pastor uh, or all, all the rest of, of, of our uh, audience who are simply day-to-day -day Christians trying to make the most of a very special uh, period of time in the church year. So I want to invite you to give some final thoughts, uh, Father Begany, and then Father Dennis, and then uh, I'll ask you, Father Dennis, to close us in, uh, in prayer for tonight's broadcast. Father David? Well, Father, you began by talking, you and Father Dennis began by talking that Lent is a joyful time, and we might not normally associate... Um, uh, that that with the case, but I think if we, as you said, if we look at Lent properly, it is. It's a time really, uh, you know, to 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 look at some of our weaknesses, to use an, a good examination of conscience, then to repent of of those things we're we're conscious of that that we really uh, need to change in our life. But it's also a time to recognize that there may be some things we should be addressing that we're not, such as such as uh, uh, helping uh, you know men and women in difficult pregnancies. 
helping the unborn, uh, certainly. And so this is an opportunity then to really enter into a, a time of uh, reflection and spiritual renewal where we can um, we can recognize this, we can, as I said, repent of our sins, begin to change some areas, and then begin to do some things, you know, to either to fast uh, what, or, or to maybe to uh, do some acts of charity, especially helping out a pregnancy resource center or, or, or maybe going to 40 Days for Life to pray. And all of these things will renew our spirit and help us to really uh, grow in holiness and become better reflections of the Lord. And when we do that, we experience uh, freedom, uh, we call interior freedom. Uh, where we're, we're, we're freer, more freer to look at the good things we can do in life and, of course, make, make a choice for them. And so I'd encourage all of, all of us, uh, priests, religious, and laity, to really enter into this time as a time of spiritual renewal where we certainly repent of our sins. Uh, we, we look at some areas of our life maybe we should be doing more, especially in the area of protecting the unborn. And then we go forth and we do that, whether through, uh, you know, whether through penance, whether through almsgiving or acts of charity. And in this way, we're going to, um, uh, we're going to, as I said, we're going to experience more peace and more joy and more freedom in our lives and really become the people of life that uh, God calls us to be. Amen. Thank you for that. Father Dennis? Yeah, I'd like to reemphasize what Father David has mentioned twice uh, already but I think for the listeners to really look into it very seriously. And that is 40 days for life. Uh, we do that all the time during Lent each year. Uh, some of you are doing it already. So it's a, and I congratulate you for that and give you encouragement to continue to do that and get back into it as you did last year or whenever it was, but in Lent and in, in the fall as well. But especially at Lent time, it's a beautiful way by which we can do this as a group of people. So go on to finding 40 Days for Life and looking up in your locale where there is one of these. What this basically is to praying at abortion mills, the, the, the centers that do the killing, and to pray there in front, of, in front of that area. Beautifully, there's no violence. There's nothing, not from our side anyway. And in any case, what to do is to simply pray and be part of that. And that silent prayer, that prayer, sometimes the rosary, but it can be just be the presence Somebody who comes into that, who can't emphasize this enough, who is not expecting people to be praying for them because that's why we're there and they know that. They experience that. That's a very powerful moment. And many times they don't have the abortion. They may go in to, to make processing and then they decide to come out. So many stories about that. Many, many thousands of babies have been saved because of the efforts of people around, not just this country, but around the world who are going to these mills, these, these killing centers, and instead, they're influencing those mothers who many times are there because they're forced into it, their boyfriend does it or whatever. Uh, and they just need that assurance. And not that you always have the opportunity to talk to them. You don't have to even do that. But praying for them, they get it. And uh, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes they turn around and they don't have the abortion. That's a life of a future that we can't underestimate the possibilities that will be given the grace to become whatever that person should be. So I just want to emphasize that. And another vignette too, that's uh, in priestfullife.org forward slash Lent, as Father David brought out. Uh, also uh, a particular thing there, which is the powerful pro-life uh, 
message, uh, which is it's Calvary, and it's it's a beautiful little video. And uh, Father Frank, maybe you can get the detail on this, but it's a video which relates abortion to the crucifixion. And yes. this beautiful music, it's about three minutes or so. Yes. But it's a very powerful thing. And again, uh, there are people who have had abortions and they may look at this thing. Nobody's making a judgment on this. As a matter of fact, the same Lord is forgiving that person for whatever had happened in the past, misguided. Mm-hmm. Uh, there but by the grace of God go I, we can say in many different areas in our lives. Exactly. And, and and together with that, you also reminded me that we have the the meditations on the seven last words. Yes. I did several series over the years of recordings that people can listen to there at priestforlife.org slash Lent, which relate the seven last words, not only to uh, their deeper significance, but also to this marvelous cause that we are all immersed in. Uh, the cause of the unborn and the ending of abortion. So thank you both for joining us. And Father Dennis, could you lead us in um in a final prayer and then maybe seven last words. Seven first of that seven last words. We'll begin with that. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And Lord, we need to look at that message and see it in the people that we know in ourselves, first of all, that you forgive us for the sins of our past. That we turn to you in joy with hope ask you lord to continue to bless the efforts of people all over the country especially those who are out in the streets for 40 days for life but also those who are working in the abortion uh, at the uh, crisis pregnancy centers the centers where people are being helped babies and mothers are both being helped so lord we thank you for that we thank you for the efforts in union one with another of the same heart that we can turn this around and that abortion will be unthinkable we ask all of this through the lord of life Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. 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 Well, I'm not allowed to do this anymore, but the two of you can. So could you give us a blessing? Sure. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Father and the Son, Son, the Holy Spirit, Spirit. down upon you, remain with you, and give you peace. And have a wonderful Lent, all of you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you all, brothers and sisters, for joining us. And we'll be back to you soon once again. Keep tuned into all our broadcasts at End Abortion. God bless you and good night. Hello, I'm Dr. Alveda King, board member of Priest for Life. More money is being spent in America to kill babies in the womb than to save them. Together, we need to change that. And today I want to invite you to support our work at Priest for Life. Why ours rather than other groups? Because we have a unique team that helps lead in every arena of the fight against abortion, and we activate the churches where you find people who are most likely to get involved in that fight. To awaken a pastor about abortion is to awaken thousands of people he serves. We do not receive church funding or government grants. We rely on you for individual donations. We have a very high evaluation among charities and top security on our donation site, ProLifeGift.org. You can go there for a one-time gift or to become a monthly donor, or you can call us at 321-500-1000. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.